Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Um, <laughs> and we're here you to fix your life. Literally, just got up out of your chair during the intro. I had to readjust um, mid uh, show intro. Well, we're keeping this, but let's finish it up. Um, okay. Uh, sh- she's Sally, and we're here <laughs> to fix your yeah. lives. <laughs> right. That said, we're two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance, Sally. <laughs> professional podcasters. How are you doing? I am doing well. Excellent. How are you? I'm doing very well. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Sweet. first, you can tweet at us at strugglebuspod, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com, instagram.com slash thestrugglebuspod. Use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy. You can go on to strugglebuspodcast.com to get info about the show and tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. And hey, if you'd like to join our secret Facebook group, uh, which is really just a safe space to post about animals, uh, gifts, and your problems, you can email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com and note in the subject line you'd like to be added to the group and give us the email you log into Facebook with. So if you ask a question, you can email us at the same address, but um, if you want to join the group and ask a question, we're going to miss it. So We will indeed. That is a fact. Two separate emails. All right. Sally, so uh, we have a lot of jibber-jabber today, but um, we also have some topics because Sally and I uh, tweeted each other during the week about things that infuriate slash um, make us happy. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It's like the infuriate make us happy binary, (laughs) the spectrum. It's not, it's binary. Um, I just had that that come on, get happy song in my head. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's that's like the theme song of this segment. Oh, is it your song of the week, by the way? Uh, It is. Well, well. I mean... Yeah, I mean that's not the song I'm choosing, but oh, I, I am choosing a song. Um, okay, so Catherine, yes, one of our repeated, one of our recurrent texting in a rage about topics <laughs> is the actor and writer Lena Dunham. We <laughs> we've been known to text each other furiously about her. Why? Not because we're talking about her art or the things that she produces as an artist, but because the way she shows up as a person, especially as a white person, is really – the word problematic has really started to lose its meaning. But until we have a better word, we're just going to say problematic. Now, look, am (laughs) I saying Lena Dunham is racist? I'm not saying that because there might be legal implications to saying that, but I'm saying that she does racist things a lot. Now she is, she is intersectional in her problematicness in that (laughs) she does things that are racially problematic as well as misogynist, um, all at the same time. So this particular thing, um, many of you probably heard that last year, um, uh, an actor accused an actor named Aurora Perrineau, accused a writer named Murray Miller. He's a a writer on the show Girls uh, of Rape. And Lena Dunham issued a statement uh, with Jenny Connor, who I think is her co-creator on Girls. Um, And I'm going to read the statement Mm -hmm. because I think it captures some things. During the windfall of deeply necessary accusations over the last few months in Hollywood, we have been thrilled to see so many women's voices heard and dark experiences in this industry justified. 
It's a hugely important time of change. And like every feminist in Hollywood and beyond, we celebrate. But during every time of change, there are also incidences of the culture and its enthusiasm and zeal taking down the wrong targets. We believe, having worked closely with him for more than half a decade, by the way, half a decade is a way of making five years sound like mm. a long time. I mean, um, go on. Um, we believe that this is the case with Murray Miller. While our first instinct is to listen to every woman's story, our insider knowledge of Murray's situation makes us confident that sadly this accusation is one of the 3% of assault cases that are mis uh, misreported every year. It is a true shame to add to that number as outside of Hollywood, women still struggle to be believed. We stand by Murray and this is all we'll be saying about this issue. No, now, no it wasn't all she was going to be saying about this <laughs> issue, Sally. Right. Fast forward uh, to now when she has to issue an apology and the word apology is in quotation marks because it is a farce of an apology. But this, this actually, you know, we texted in a rage about this because the fact that her reaction to someone, to a woman coming forward and saying she'd been sexually assaulted is to say that she stands by the man who's accused while vaguely alluding to some kind of insider knowledge I don't even, what kind of knowledge that the question is going through my mind at this time where what kind of insider knowledge could she possibly have access to that would exonerate this guy? It just seemed so shady. Anyway. Well, if, I may, if I jump in real quick before please, we fast forward, um, we also furiously tweeted about this when this statement came out months ago or last year oh, whenever yeah. it came out. We definitely were like, what the fuck? And I just want to say that a statement is a thing that you write down and you show to people. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It gets vetted probably by many people. And then you you send it. And um, <laughs> the the way in which it was worded uh, was very disgusting. And, and that's all we'll be saying about that. It's like, well, first of all, nobody asked you. You didn't mm -hmm. have to say anything. Uh, right. Probably the thing you could have said was nothing. And I agree with you, Sally. Even if you have this insider information, well, then, I don't know. Let us know what it is, please. Exactly. Uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, but don't don't even if you knew like that this person was really good dude quote unquote you weren't there <laughs> right weren't and there. also just th this whole thing of like th this whole obnoxious statement is couched in like many sentences of we know that you know this is really important and the me too movement is really important and this is one of the few cases where it's like this really aggravating nod to this movement um that they then go on to just like shred um and also we should say that Aurora Perrineau is a woman of color and Lena Dunham has like a long history. If you just like Google Lena Dunham racism, you'll find like a litany of really, really good think pieces about just how fucking problematic she is. But anyway, so recently the latest installment of Catherine and Sally texting each other in a rage <laughs> about Lena Dunham is that she issued this apology, quote unquote, um, to Aurora Perrineau where she admitted that she actually didn't have any insider knowledge. Um, I really, I believe the word is lied. Sally. Right. Lied. She lied. She, what did I say? Oh no, no, no. You said she, she said she did oh, not have insider. Did, right. Yeah. I'm just no, stressing it. Yeah. Let's like just be really specific. So she lied. Um, so when you just think about the, what is going on inside someone that they go out of their way to lie to defend someone who's been accused of rape is just like really fucking mind blowing um, to me. Um, and the apology is so self-indulgent. It's like everything she does, it's like 
when I don't know if you've ever tried to cut your own bangs, Catherine. Oh, try to or do every six weeks. Well, you cut your hair like a goddamn expert, so you're not a good example. But like, <laughs> I just remember like my friends when we were like in sixth grade cutting their own bangs and being like, "Oh shoot, you know what? That's a little uneven. Let me just cut it a little shorter <laughs> to make it even." And then it's like, "Oh shoot, wait, now that's uneven. Okay, let me just go a little shorter." And before you know it, you, there's like a half an inch of bang. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's what Lena Dunham, <laughs> that's what her entire existence as a public figure is. It's her just, and I mean, the thing is, I don't even think she knows that she's making her bangs way too short. <laughs> I think she thinks that she's like building something amazing that she can then make great art about or something like that. But, um, this, the, the apology is so much worse than the original statement where she, she's like, she, uh, th- so I, the thing that the two things that stood out to me, which I tweeted about, are about how she can she uses the passive voice to talk about how Aurora Perrineau has been harmed. She doesn't say like I harmed you. She's she's like you have been harmed, as if like some weird ghost like entity has harmed Aurora Perrineau. And then she says, I want. It. She asks when they can move forward. And I just I think that when you're the person who's hurt someone else, it's not really your job to say when can we move forward. Like you wait for the other person to tell you that you can move forward. Like don't even bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so Catherine, we there's an installment which I didn't even know about. I I here I walk up to my little office here, my little mini <laughs> recording studio, and I have my little coffee, and I'm like sitting down. I open the struggle bus doc, and what do I see? It says up fucking date. <laughs> up fucking date. Lena Dunham brings Aurora's mom on stage to apologize at Hollywood Reporter Women in Entertainment event. Catherine, tell me about this. Well, I wasn't there, Sally. I just read the article. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I uh, noticed that uh, this was a new update. And first I rolled my eyes like, do I want to read this? The answer is no, Sally. You never want to read this. (laughs) But I do find that – Basically, she was accepting an award or, or not accepting an award. She was doing some sort of thing at, at a Women in Hollywood. It's it's award season, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, brought up Aurora's mom on stage and apologized. And Aurora's mom said something to the effect of, well, I can look this up, too. I just don't want to read it because it's so horrible. But I will. Um, she said, like, we, we, like, we acknowledge and um, accept your apology. And I have to wonder like if that is correct. Feel your love and receive your heartfelt apology. Yeah. Now, first thing that goes through my mind, Sally, is I don't talk to my dad, right? My dad could go out to an award ceremony and be like, you know, my daughter and I accept this apology. And I'd be like, what the fuck? You called my dad? So like, <laughs> yeah, I that's kinda, actually a really good point. I have to wonder, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. parents are not always the best representatives of um, our feelings. I have to wonder about that. But okay, let's say for one second that she accepted the apology and sent her mom in her stead. But mm-hmm. there was something so performative about this that it was just making it worse. Let's say it's all true, right? Mm-hmm. It, why? Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you going to spit your coffee out? Yeah, uh, a, a little bit. Okay. Um, it's dribbling. But like, yeah, no, I mean, like, this to me is like Lena Dunham taking another, like, a little bit off her bangs where she's like <laughs> using this woman as a prop, you know, to to be like, Look at how genuine my apology is. Her mother is here. And, you know, I far be it from me to comment on, like, what is going through the minds of Aurora Perrineau's mother or Aurora Perrineau herself. Mm -hmm. Just focusing solely on Lena Dunham here, I just – I feel like every time she says something in public, she turns out to actually – 
be, you know, there, there are sometimes that people say something and, and they have to take it back because it's there. They realize that they, they fucked up and they're like, you know what? Like, I'm sorry. I realized that I like fucked up and I'm changing. I'm trying to be better now. And like, maybe they are, and maybe they aren't, whatever. Lena Dunham just like every single time she goes all in and it's like, she kind of outdoes herself and she's just like building this tower of like terrible statements. And to me, what that shows is that this is actually who she is. Like, this is where she's at. This is what her understanding of things is. And, um, I, I want her to like go live as like a hermit somewhere and just like think and meditate and pray and just like re-enter society as like a much better version of herself. Even then, like I would still probably be texting you that I thought she yeah. was full of it, but yeah, she wrote, I just, um, yeah. I was going to say she wrote a letter as well in uh, the Hollywood reporter saying that she did, made a terrible mistake. She did something inexcusable um, and getting to know Aurora's mother quote, Getting to know her has been the unexpected gift that came from being humbled and reassessing so much over the past year about women and power. Now, Sally, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. Merry there's Christmas. so much to unpack. So many presents. Um, so many presents. So many wrapped things. I would like to say that uh, if you've ever been in a trauma or traumatized by something and especially had that trauma go public, I find – then maybe you don't want someone else opening up that box again over and over. Just throwing it out there. I feel it's the uh, survivor's um, prerogative to reopen that trauma that they have to relive a lot, pretty much. Catherine, sure. that's a really good point that I had not thought of at all. Well, this and is why you and I, I like dream team back and forth, man. We just bring up. <laughs> I know. We're just crushing it. Um, listen to our new podcast, Lena Dunham, <laughs> Unpacking Presents. Yeah. No, I mean, like, um, this whole thing has been really public and, you know, I, there's a, a part of me, Catherine, that doubts that behind the scenes, Lena Dunham and Aurora Perrineau are engaged in like a deep back and forth where Lena Dunham is like asking for permission to like continue to belabor this in public. Anyway, um, I just, Lena Dunham is like, for me, is like a masterclass in how not to show up as a white woman. Uh, and, you know. You know she's going to teach that, Sally. She's going to take that and run with it. She's going to make like a mumblecore movie about that and she's going to be the star of it. And I'm going to have to burn down every movie theater in America. But yeah, um, so – I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. And like, we're really far into the show now. So I, I guess we can move on from this whole thing. But um, well, anything else we I'm, should say, Catherine? I just want to say that um, terrible mistakes are when you, uh, you you can make a terrible mistake, but still know that you're actively making a choice. Um, I don't think this is something we need to teach people about rape and rape culture, which is like, hey, uh, even if you're friends with the guy, don't make a public statement, especially if you have a huge following. But, you know, mm -hmm. um, that is more than a terrible mistake. And uh, I agree with you completely about the putting the onus on this woman to, like, accept this apology and move forward. It's like, shut the fuck up. And again, Sally and I, I think we, we reiterate this point that you made earlier. We're not we're not making fun of the show. We're not making fun of her body. <clears throat> a lot of people do that as a go to. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're doing. We don't like what's uh, what, what's happening <laughs> just in general. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I am a million light years away from caring enough about the show girls to watch or comment on the show girls. 
or anything she does artistically, but just her presence as like a public figure is completely infuriating. Yeah. Well, we should go um, on to the next topic if you. Let's go into the next topic. Okay. Yeah. And this is this Things is you, I think. Text in a rage about. I have to look at the doc. Mm-hmm. Well. Oh, the the monogamy tweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this this falls under the category of what was the binary like? It was like happy and infuriating. Oh, uh, inex- um, I forget. Well, this is one of the things that we texted about that we found delightful. I think I found it and texted it to you. Is that right? Uh, yes, you did. Yeah. Okay. I can't even remember anymore. It's all just like this big jumble of like <laughs> things we text each other. Okay. So this is a tweet from the handle uh, M-E-N-K-A-U-R-A-B, Mankarabi. And it says, poly relationships aren't the answer when monogamy fails. You're disrespectful can't set and adhere to boundaries and a liar during monogamy that won't suddenly change straight delusional. <laughs> um, Oh, you replied. Mm-hmm. I sure did. Do you want to read my I'm reply? I like it. Yeah. I just liked it. Yeah. Your reply was it's outstanding. How many people use polyamory as an excuse for manipulation, control and emotional abuse. Now we should probably put a, a content, not content note, a, a, just a thing out there saying, we're not saying that polyamory is a bad thing. Right, right, right. We're not saying that relationship structures are only should be one thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's not, Oh, I just saw my, we got liked in real time. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to say, couch that before you go on because. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, that's important to say. Um, disclaimer, we're not talking about polyamory. What we're talking about is, um, yeah, just like this, the whole, I think, well, for me, what I think of is the whole kind of umbrella category of like sex positivity being used to um, basically manipulate your partner, who's usually a woman, <laughs> um, into um, into like into controlling them or just to um, get them to be in the kind of relationship that you want them to be in and to control them, as you said. And, and, um, and oftentimes like what I've seen in like, in my world is, um, people using that kind of thing to emotionally, to emotionally abuse their partners. Mm -hmm. And this was just a really succinct, I mean, I can't think of a more succinct, um, way of summing this up. Yeah. And I'll, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a, a, dicey category because I really do understand people who are in poly relationships and they, you know, it works for them. And that's, that's, I want to make it very clear before you send your thoughts our way. But, um, in my experience personally and otherwise, and also just from things I've seen and noticed, there is an aspect of, um, there has been an aspect of, I'm going to use this to make you do the thing I want to do. And if you don't want to do it, then you're not sex positive, then you're not whatever. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's, yeah, that's unfortunately very common. And, even just having control over the people who you are um, you are sexual with, who's not your uh, polyamorous partner, there is a sort of fly by the seat of your pants attitude. I've noticed a little bit of like, oh, no, I'm poly. It's cool. And then I'm just going to treat you the way I want to treat you. It's like, uh, um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I, I feel also like a lot of the stories I've heard um, – there's no way to say this without sounding like I'm indicting polyamory. So you're just going to have to like, (laughs) trust me that that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but I've, I've heard that I, I can count. Well, no, that, that means there, I was going to say I can count on one hand, but that means there aren't a lot of instances. (laughs) I, I can't even count the number of times that either a friend or a friend of a friend has been like, yeah, like I'm, I'm seeing this guy, it's always a guy. Um, <laughs> and he's in this other relationship, but they have an open relationship. And 
they never have an open relationship. Like, or well, like that, that, that person's like primary partner does not realize that it's an open relationship. Yeah. Like it has not been agreed upon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is, which common. I think is another like, um, kind of tentacle of this whole thing that we're talking about, which is just kind of like using like, no, no, it's cool. I'm just like, we're just like really open and like liberated yeah. as a way to manipulate someone else into having sex with you. Yeah, And we're not saying polyamory's a bad thing. Other people out there are giving it a bad name. So put it that yeah. way, you it's know, a good way of putting it very important to note. Additionally, the whole um, concept of, oh, great, I can have my cake and eat it too. This is great. Like I said, it, it um, invites a certain sort of cavalier attitude towards other people's feelings. Who yeah. you are hooking up with. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So good tweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. I read that thread. It was really interesting. Um, it's just, it's a fascinating thread. And some poly people chimed in like, yeah, you're right. There are people out there who are doing this and it's really shitty. It was very interesting. Yeah. I need to go and read the, um, the thread because I actually didn't do it. I got so excited about the tweet itself that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read. I but, you sent um, me at like 630 in the morning or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did. Um. Yeah, did I? I think so. Oh, oh man. That sounds right. That sounds like me. Well, I was awake. Um, Catherine, <clears throat> I know I sent it and like immediately it was like red. It didn't even, you know, when I send you a text, it'll say delivered and then it'll say red. It just like went straight to red. <laughs> I just keep my phone on your tweets all night long. <laughs> I mean, you're, I'm um, sorry, messages. <laughs> um, so Catherine, should we talk about this last thing really quickly and yes. then get to, cause we have our own Jover Jet. We, we have sure like do. a lot. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, you want me to say, okay, so. Another thing that we texted in a rage about is that um, Jason, so Amber Heard, who is in the movie Aquaman alongside Jason Momoa, said that, well, he, the articles all say that the actress, um, the actress said that he would prank her during mm. their downtime on set. Now, pranks to me, like, them. you love them? You love pranks? Healthy pranks. Real pranks. Oh, okay. Funny Not pranks. like what we're about to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. So Heard confessed that she's a big, a huge bookworm. When she was suspended by wires for the movie stunts, it was someone's job to toss her a book to read in between takes, which I mean, that we need another podcast to unpack that whole fucking thing. Um, I would have to drop it between uh, takes 30 feet in the air. So anyway, they made her a book bag, which is cool. the special book bag that was out of the green screen material. So she could have her book without interfering with her costume. Uh, I could sling it over me. And anyway, she loves her books. She keeps her books on her all the time. The book bag also, I'm reading from an article on abcnews.go.com. The book bag also ensured her books were safe from co-star Momoa. He adopted this method of ripping out the pages of my book so I would pay attention to him. Mm. It would drive me crazy because I'd have 30 pages left and it would be gone. Catherine. Sally. (laughs) Every time I read this, I want to explode and also like smush his head between my hands. I think it's so cool. They made her a special bag. What I don't think is cool is that they had to make a special bag for her because her co-star would steal her shit and destroy it to get her attention. Now I think that instead of creating a special bag at the meeting, they had the meeting of the bags. I'm sure there was some sort of like, Hey, let's do this. Maybe. And listen, this could just be a wild idea. Just spitballing here. Maybe. You tell Jason Momoa to knock it the fuck off because that's harassment. And also, um, I mean, I don't want to say caveman because he looks like one, but sort of this attitude of like, oh, I want to get like a peacock, right? I want to get your attention. It's not consensual if she's interested, if she's not interested. 
Well, the the <laughs> thing of like um, like pay. <laughs> the 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 thing of he wanted to do something so she would pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, right there, no matter what it is that he's doing, is just so. Um, I mean, that is something a child does. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, my, my or, nephew or all the man. time. He's like, he he will admit it to my nephew. He's like, I did that to get your attention because I wasn't getting any. It's like. So mm-hmm. he, yeah. He's like more mature than Jason Momoa. A thousand times more mature. But, but then p- pulling pages out of a book, That's... I feel like is just a bizarre, like pathological, weird behavior. Anyway, this whole. And, and like, right, Catherine, what you said, like, instead of just going to Jason Momo and being like, hey, stop stealing someone else's property and destroying it. They built her a special bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, can what a fucking workaround for the fucking patriarchy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my Jesus. Yeah. So Jason Momoa. So the the way I I found out about this is like this tweet was going around that just said Jason Momoa is dead to me and it was a link to this article um, and all I can think of now is that Jason Momoa is dead to me and what, what has you he know been in? I what's that what's it what's he been in he well I know him from Game of Thrones mm-hmm. he plays Khal Drogo um and he's kind of a beloved character in Game of Thrones he I mean don't even get me into how problematic that is but he's been in other stuff but I've never seen any of it um. Anyway, I'm in a rage now. So mm-hmm. do you have anything else to say or should we just move on? Well, I mean, I have a lot of things to say, but we should move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, shall we do um, our jibber-jabber? Let's do it. Okay. I feel like I've been talking a lot, so will you start? Oh, yeah. No, no, you haven't. You you brought up these things and you know a little bit more than I do. Um, nice wedding ring, by the way. I Sally's. spent a lot of time obsessing. Oh, thanks. Sally's showing up for me. Um, is that a stress ball? No, it's a die. It's oh. a funny-sided die. <laughs> Sally. <laughs> Just sitting it. here holding a die. I love it. Okay. Um, well, I uh, I don't know if you saw on the interwebs uh, pictures of me with the guitar. but I um, sure did. Yeah. I don't play guitar, but mm-hmm. I do now. And they, they, the reason for that is in the show I'm in with the Neo Futurists, I wrote a play this year where I was I wrote a song about this year and about how um, what I went through. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the play is called Catherine's Finally Ready to Talk About Something with a Little oh. Help. And I'll send you a video. And um, every week I would still sing the song, but I would go on YouTube and learn to play guitar. So every week I got a little bit better. Um, or not. I've had a lot of things happen. <laughs> One time I didn't know about um, the, the strings snapping in the cold weather. And I opened up the case on stage and the guitar had no strings. And I was like, all right. And I had to do it oh, acapella. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit like that happened. But During I, a performance? Oh, yeah. I almost started to cry. I was like, but you know, time show, which is what I like about the show. It's like, you can't stop. What would you do if you're in a show? Well, point being, it's a, it's also a, um, it's a task, but it's also exploring like what we can learn from ourselves and like what we can, things we survive and things we can actually get better at and stuff like that. So, um, the last performance, thanks. And the last performance I did it in was a best of show. Uh, this weekend, there's another one next weekend, but different menu. Um, different menu means different plays. Everyone, listen, it's it's all <laughs> it's all terms you need to know if you see the show. But don't worry, we'll teach you. Um, it was the last play of the night, and it was really really fun to like oh, close it awesome. out with the guitar. Yeah, and then I joined the board of the Neo Futurists because I'm not busy enough. Um, oh wow! And I feel what like does that entail? Um, it, it's mostly just being an ensemble rep. So there's monthly meetings and we talk about things because I'm representing the ensemble's needs and and you know, translating what we're doing as a company. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm doing that. And I did a hashtag adulting because it sounds like I'm an adult now that I joined a board. 
Yeah. So it's very that. impressive. Yeah. You're thanks. a board member. I'll send you, you the have video. You get a pantsuit and a <laughs> briefcase, an attache. An attache case. <gasps> wow. I'm actually, you know what you should get? I'm picturing you in like an Angela Bauer costume from um, Who's the Boss? Remember <gasps> Judith Light? She always yes. wore the big shoulder pads. Yes. And like the, that she always had like a very flouncy like neckerchief on, I, I feel like. And they were always like a flower pattern, like Laura Ashley. It was like a Laura yeah. Ashley yes. dress yes. with with shoulder pads. Big ass shoulder pads, lots of florals. Yeah. It's like, you're a lady, but you're also a linebacker. Yeah. You're a lady linebacker. I guess we have your Halloween costume for next year all figured out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Sally, do you know your jibber jabber yet? Okay. Yeah, I did figure it out when we were talking. Um. I don't, I don't remember why it occurred to me, but I'm not going to get into specifics. But recently, Catherine, I was lectured by someone mm. who doesn't know the first thing about my life, um, about why family is the most important thing and you should never cut anyone off. Like you should never stop talking to someone because um, intention is what matters and if they're your family, they have good intention. And when I said, what if they don't have good intention? He didn't have a good answer. And he said, you just have to set boundaries. And I said, what if they don't respect your boundaries? And he didn't really have a good answer for that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I was subjected to this lecture. Um, it absolutely enraged me. And I was just like, okay, I'm talking to someone who doesn't really understand what it means to have a person in your life who's like toxic and abusive and doesn't respect your boundaries and consistently like is manipulative and controlling. So I'm just going to like bow out of this conversation. So my jibber jabber is about maintaining your boundaries and not let it's the holidays. And we have to be, I think most of us are like putting up even more intense boundaries than we do at other times of the year, just, or like we want to, or we wish we could just because, you know, it's a stressful time of year with like a lot of social occasions, a lot of which include family. And I'm here to tell you that you know, it's okay to, that family is not the most important thing. I mean, or it is for you, it's a personal thing, but there's no, there's nothing written down. That's like a law of human contact or human behavior that the most important thing is family. And you should prioritize people you're blood related to above all else. Um, that is nonsense. If you have a good reason to do that in your life and you're like, my value is family, that that's fine. But I'm just saying it's not something that can be applied across the board to everyone. So don't let people make you feel that way. Um, not that we're in control of how people make us feel, but I'm just saying when people spew that nonsense, uh, they don't know your life. And it's totally okay to prioritize your chosen family. Mm -hmm. um, and um, also, you yeah. know, people who are abusers uh, do have good intentions usually. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. They're not like, you know, twisting their mustache, mm -hmm. being like, how can I ruin this person's life? Mm -hmm. They just think that they're they're just trying to get attention for themselves or whatever. Mm -hmm. Back to Momoa. Um, <laughs> yeah, back to Momoa to bring it all together. So but I guess what I'm saying is um, I guess I'm venting about my experience slash saying to anyone who needs to hear it, um, 
if you need to put up boundaries between you and someone you're related to, even if that boundary is that you aren't going to be in touch with them, that is okay. You're doing something for yourself and don't let anyone tell you otherwise or let them tell you that and just like know in your head that they don't know what they're talking about, which is what I did when I was being lectured. I also feel that someone who's lecturing you on this um, is the exact person who there's times where you want to be boundaried from. And um, I'll bet you anything there's somebody in his life who doesn't talk to him. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's like not a really fair. good point. Why not? You know, like. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it was incredible to me. Like, I, I just I would never like way in. I would never tell someone how to handle their shit, especially when I, if they didn't ask me to. And when I had absolutely no information, I mean, just imagine going up to someone being like, here's what you should do without having like any background. So the whole thing was completely enraging and boundaries are great. And uh, sometimes we need them. And a lot of times we need them from um, people in our families. How about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would never uh, go up to somebody and say like, oh, you're still talking to your dad who's abusive. You know what I mean? Or try to lecture them on why, you know, just don't bother. It's none of your fucking business. None of your fucking business. Yeah. All right. Shall we get on to a thing we did for self-care? Yes, let's do it. Catherine, tell me what you did for self-care. I'm in a rage, Sally, about that. And I want to hear more about that person. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you about that like off mic for sure. Great. Um, I just wrote down, I followed doctor's orders. My doctor recommended a thing and I did it. Didn't work out so well. So I'm back on the other thing. But um, it was an interesting month. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But following doctor's orders as self-care. I like it. Yeah. You got to take care of your health, even when it's hard to do, Sally. Indeed. about you? Okay. I... We have uh, Christmas lights for the outside of our house, which I've never had before because I've never had a house and I've never celebrated Christmas. So that's too – I mean, I've celebrated Christmas for the last few years with my wife's family. But now that we have our own house, I love Christmas lights. They look so pretty. So I bought a bunch. First of all, I bought 200 lights and I was like, oh my God, so many lights. We're going to light up the block. It barely (laughs) – 200 lights is nothing, which I think that there are a lot of Gentiles out there who know that. But I learned it. So I went back. Ace Hardware and I got 600 more lights. (laughs) And I was like, if this isn't enough, I'm burning this house down. So I spent two hours out in the cold yesterday morning (laughs) putting the lights up. Now, here's why it's self-care. You, what you can do is you can hastily throw the lights and just plug them in and they're going to look fine. Like it's lights. They're not going to look great. They're going to look okay. Um, because it's really cold and it takes a long time to do it right. Um, or you can be like, you know what? I care about this. It'll feel good if I care about this and I spend time to do it in a way that I'm proud of. And I deserve to feel proud of something I did. So I'm going to just stand out here for two hours. I can play video games in my pajamas later. That can wait. That video game is going to be there. So I made the choice to spend two hours on my front porch stringing fucking Christmas lights on my house. Now, it took – they get so tangled. This is why – middle-aged men in the suburbs are always so angry for (laughs) like also because of the patriarchy and how it makes them not feel their feelings. But I think a major reason is because they have to do the Christmas lights (laughs) every year traditionally and it's completely enraging. Anyway, I did it once, looked terrible. Then I was like, I know how to do it. Took everything off, redid it. And I was like, nope, still fucked up. Third time's a charm. It looks really good. I'm really excited about it. And it made me feel really good. I went outside and looked at them like five times yesterday. I took pictures. I insisted other people look at them. It was the thing I did for self-care. I love that. And, and what about your wife? Where was she during the uh, the lights incident? Um, so actually she went to yoga and as I was starting and she came back and I was like still out there 
<laughs> she like walked to yoga class, came back and was like, so you're still out here. She um, didn't, she didn't help you? Well, no. I mean, we have a pretty strict division of labor. <laughs> um, so I do very specific things. She does very specific things. So like yesterday she cooked this like huge, elaborate, delicious meal for dinner. And then I cleaned up like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? So like I did the Christmas lights yesterday, but then she, um, she like hung up curtain rods and like towel, towel rods and stuff like that, you know? So we, we, you know, we work it out, but mm-hmm. the Christmas lights, that was my Catherine. That was my mountain to climb alone. Hold on, oh, so you're sorry, away phone, from the My thing. phone is running out too. Sorry. Uh, sorry okay. about that. Um, okay. Anyway, let's let's read this letter because we've been talking for a long time. We haven't read an email yet. Yeah. Oh, my. A long time. Would you like to read this or shall I? Uh, how about – I don't actually care. Do you care? No, not really. Okay. They need a name though. They do need a name. Um, oh, shit. Okay. What uh, – are you watching anything right now? Bless you. Sorry. No, I was yawning. yawning. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, oh, mm, I started watching the marvelous Mrs. Mizell. Oh, sweet. Is okay. That, is that the name of the show? Yeah, yeah. It speaks to me on many levels, but uh, I forget all the characters' names. <laughs> How about Mrs. Mizell? Yes. Okay. She must be a character. Yeah. Okay. So this is for Mrs. Mizell. Yeah. Uh, there is a content note for self-harm. Hey, Struggle Bus. I'm 27 from Toledo, Ohio. I work for my dad's small business. I'm in a relationship and we have a three-year-old together and are all living together. I'm also a part-time student online. My relationship has been struggling for the past two, almost three years, and we've been together for five. I do a lot for my significant other, SO, and my son. And when I try to take care of myself or my mental health, it comes back to me as being selfish. I've tried to do better by my SO and I ended up losing myself in the process. I gave everything I had and was left not really knowing who I am and what is important to me anymore. My anxiety has been off the charts, even resulted in cutting myself at one point in time. I've been to therapy. I love how much you talk about this, by the way. It has been a big help. My SO doesn't understand why I need to talk to someone else besides him about how I feel. I stopped going to my last therapist because of my SO constantly wondering what I'm doing and FaceTiming me in the middle of a session. I was extremely embarrassed. Now I talk to a therapist on an app on my phone, which has actually helped a lot since it's hard for me to talk in person sometimes. I've started feeling better about myself and have started to realize the things that are important to me again and realize now I want to slash need to be treated in a relationship. However, since I found this out, now my SO isn't happy because my attention has shifted away from him and more onto myself and our child. I'm in the position of trying to figure out whether or not this relationship is the best thing for me. I have been trying to keep the three of us together, but the constant fighting isn't good for our child. It's also not helping my anxiety. I get anxious just hearing him walk through the door because I know the second one of us opens our mouth, it will probably result in an argument. I attempted to break up with him earlier today for like the fifth time. He'll say how he feels one minute when I give him a reaction he doesn't want, like try to leave. He'll turn around and tell me I took it the wrong way, basically telling me in so many words that my feelings are wrong. He keeps bringing up my marriage Sorry, he keeps bringing up marriage to try to get me to stay. I believe he does love me, but he doesn't understand that he can't control my feelings. What's your take on the situation? Look forward to hearing from you, Mrs. Mizell. All right. Um, I have a take on the situation. Let's hear it, Catherine. Well, first of all, I 
want to, I hope you're doing this and I'm, you might be, you might not be. I hope you are telling your now therapist why it is you can't see a therapist in person. I hope you're being as honest with your therapist as you were to us in this letter, because I think that is very important to note. Um, you say a lot in this that you want to break up, but you're not sure about this and that. If you read back the letter to yourself, it sounds to me, and after reading it and hearing Sally read it, I it sounds to me like you kind of know, but it's really, really hard. Now, I just want to say one thing out of the gate that um, although it's not out of the gate, I said something else first, but whatever. Now that we're <laughs> in the gate, just let's open the doors again. That, um, <laughs> it's another gate. It's another gate. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's 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 the kind of thing where you have to be careful. Not everybody can just, quote unquote, just leave the person. It's not easy. Um Things like this are very, very hard, and they we don't want you to do anything unsafe or anything that would put your child in any harm. So I'm not saying, yeah, break up with this bozo. I'm saying it sounds to me like you know what you have to do, but I totally understand that you haven't done it yet and have not followed through with it. But this is the kind of thing that if you aren't talking about in therapy, I'm sure you are, but, you know, do. But I will say, uh, before I pass it on to Sally, because I have a lot of other thoughts and opinions, um, the whole trying to let you think that your feelings are wrong, that is grade A gaslighting right there and emotional abuse. And um, I know those are big words, harsh words, but they're strong words because they're true. So I just want to say that that really, really, this stuff you described is very abusive behavior. Sally. Yeah, I um, I agree. I, I think the, the thing of, you know, being like, why do you have to talk to someone but me is um, – you know, if, if this person's other behavior didn't seem manipulative and controlling, I might say, oh, this sounds like one of many people who doesn't really understand how therapy works. I think that's like a common, you know, for people who have never been or it's not like a part of their lives or their, um, their orbit, you know, it's a common thing to not understand. However, this person is also, I mean, FaceTiming you in the middle of sessions, um, and, you know, reacting like in a controlling way when you try to end the relationship. Um, all of this stuff is just sounds like Catherine said, really gaslighting, manipulative. Um, and, you know, the fact that you found a way to get access to therapy that he won't know about, I think, first of all, that to me shows that you're really engaged in, you know, a really like self-affirming health seeking behavior, you know, I mean, finding a way to access therapy that won't like put, you know, that, that he can't sort of get his claws into and make you feel bad about, I think is like really important and really awesome. Um, I do hope that you're talking to this therapist, like Catherine said about why you're talking to them and not your other therapist. And I also hope that you've talked to them about the self-harm because that is really important to make sure that someone who has the, um, training to help you with that can really help you with that. Um, so please talk to them about that if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, I mean, reading this email, you have, you definitely seem to have like a really good, deep sense of how you're being treated and that it's unacceptable. Um, and, you know, kind of going back to something that Catherine said earlier, like oftentimes like people who are abusive, like they do have good intentions, you know, like in their minds, their intentions are good. Like maybe your partner would say like, you know, I just, I'm just, I just want us to be closer. I want to spend more time together. I want you to pay more attention to our family, whatever it is. Like, and you said, I believe he does love me, but he doesn't understand that he can't control my feelings. You know, someone can, you know, think that they 
this is why the, those quotes that are like, someone can't love you and control you at the same time. Like those quotes don't do a lot for me because I, I think that the people who, people who are controlling, I think that they're expressing love in the way that they know how, or the way that they express love. It doesn't make it okay or right. It doesn't make it like acceptable. You know, if an, an abusive person is like, this is how I show love, like still not acceptable, but I'm just saying that like, just because someone loves you, um, and thinks they love you and acts in a way that they feel is, um, consistent with loving, it doesn't mean that it, they're not being abusive or controlling or manipulative or gaslighting. And I, I do actually think that your partner is doing all of those things, unfortunately. And as Catherine said, you know, like we hesitate to tell people like, yeah, that relationship immediately because we don't really know what everyone's circumstances are. You know, sometimes it's unsafe for people to end relationships or leave relationships. And so you have to have a plan in place. Um, but yeah, I would recommend how to explore how to safely leave the relationship. You, you haven't said anything about the relationship that works with you. Uh, I'm sorry, works for you. There, there's nothing in here other than you believe he loves you, but you didn't, you haven't said any reason that you want to be with him. And I'm not saying that, so that must mean that there's nothing good about him and there's no reason you want to be with him. But the fact that you didn't mention that stuff, I think is telling. So, you know, I, this person sounds like, um, not a, not a great partner to have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you brought up a great point, Sally. I agree with everything you said about he can love you. This person can love you and still not be treating you the way that you would like to be treated. You know, I, I heard this. I think I've said this before on the show. And if I haven't, I'm so sorry. But I heard this wonderful phrase from my pre my priest in college. When I went back to my reunion, they have a campus priest. And he came back for reunion. I love this guy. Oh, he said, so cool. He's so great. And he said, hurt people hurt people. So people who've been hurt, Zing. I know, and I really dig it. I think it describes a lot of people I know, including myself, you know. So it's a wonderful way to humanize a person. However, just because someone has been hurt or doesn't or still loves you and doesn't know how to show it in the way you want them to show it doesn't mean that it's okay, you know. So um, I think you might want to start getting a plan and understand that it's okay if you still love this person. And it's okay. He probably does love you very much. But it doesn't mean that you're in a good relationship. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're not already talking about this with your therapist about coming up with a plan or maybe you start talking to some friends if you feel comfortable, it sounds like you need some sort of um, permission. Give yourself permission to do this and actually do it, understanding it's going to be complicated. This, these things mm -hmm. aren't cut and dry. You have a kid together, you know. So... It's it's it, it if you think about it this way, ten years from now, do you still want to be in this? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, then what are you going to do now to start getting there? Now, I mean, you could recommend say, you know, this is this is it, and I will leave you if you don't agree to go to couples therapy. You can set some things saying this is what I need right now, mm -hmm. and this is what's going to work if you want this to work out. I think that's an okay thing to sort of bring up. That's where you're at. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that's right. I agree with that. Um, interrupting therapy and not letting your partner seek therapy to me is like a really, really strong signal of a controlling of a controlling partner who doesn't want you to be influenced by someone who might tell you that you're in an abusive relationship. I mean, I, I just I feel like that's like kind of a one controlling behavior is like interfering with your partner's therapy. So I, please, um, 
please stay safe and um, reread your email back to yourself because it, like Catherine said, it really seems like you know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, thanks for writing in, Mrs. Mizell. Let us know. Yeah, keep us posted if you want. Write in and, yeah. and keep us posted. Um, Catherine. Yes. It's that time. All right. Hey, everyone. So listen, if you want, you can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod. Email us, StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash the StrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Um, and if you want to join our Facebook group, send us an email and let us know um, what your email address is that you log into Facebook with. Sally. Catherine. What's the song of the week? The song of the week, I am thrilled to tell you, is the song Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet off her album of the same name, uh, Dirty Computer. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, it's a really wonderful song. We've been playing this album in our house basically on repeat, and the song has been stuck in my head, and it's just like a really, really delightful, beautiful song. Um, and I almost can't talk about it without singing it, but that would ruin it um, because I can't carry a tune. I have whatever the, however, whatever the word is for like the worst singer you've ever heard, that word is me. Um, but this is a really beautiful song. And if you haven't listened to it, you should now. And uh, also listen to the whole album because it's real good. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. That special I'm broken time Crashing slowly The bugs are in me